and welcome to K-Talks. My name is Rastko Petakovic. This episode is in English and our guest is Maya Markovic. Maya is the Chief Growth Officer with Nextlaw Labs, one of the world's first innovation catalysts within the legal industry. Uh, Nextlaw Labs is part of the Dentons Network, one of the largest and possibly the largest law firm in the world. So it seems only natural to have this conversation on K-Talks. We are talking about the innovation in the legal sector, its specific challenges and opportunities, and her experiences in working with technologists and lawyers in developing new technologies within the legal industry, also known as legal tech. Uh, hello, Maya, and welcome to K-Talks, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you so much. No, it's a real pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of your show. Thank <laughs> you. Um, I know we will spend some time discussing what we mean by legal innovation, what we mean by legal tech and maybe reg tech. Uh, but first, maybe you can introduce yourself to our listeners. Uh, what is Next Law? What is Next Law Labs? And what is it that you do as uh, a chief growth officer? Yeah, sure. I, I'd be happy to. So uh, Next Law Labs was founded back in 2015. So we're um, celebrating our five-year anniversary this year. Um, it was the first initiative of its kind, uh, and our aim was uh, to curate, pilot, and adapt processes um, and legal technology to address legal business challenges. So we really take a very user-centric and practical approach. And we try to focus on providing very cost-effective solutions that can show measurable and real-time value. Um, <laughs> as Chief Growth Officer, I mean, I can say no, no two days are the same. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of what we do is change management. Um, I draw on my uh, background in that uh, to maximize engagement, and drive adoption, and, you know, overcome resistance. I, I spend a lot of time um, vetting potential investments and partnerships with early stage legal tech startups, uh, working with those companies uh, to accelerate their business and their technology, both inside and outside the Denton's ecosystem. Um, and I also often work with attorneys to explore new solutions, consult with their clients on their legal workflow challenges. Um, we do some strategic planning uh, with global practice leaders to define and, and help execute their practice innovation strategies. And, you know, I'm also always trying to stay on top of the legal tech um, in uh, market, which is changing so quickly. Mm. I think for, for the two of us, it is uh, a, a lot of the, this is self-explanatory and we understand what we mean by legal innovation and, and legal tech. Uh, but maybe it's uh, useful for our listeners to maybe touch base on what we mean by legal innovation and legal tech. And I think I should begin by saying, you know, stating the very obvious thing that the world has picked up pace it's very fast it's uh, accelerating technology is everywhere and i think uh the timing of the release of this episode is is going to overlap with the release of the new iphone uh which is in many ways uh you know a symbol of uh, innovation and and everything that is going on globally uh today but on the other hand legal profession is still seen as something that is lagging behind the overall global innovation. And 
There are many reasons for this. And one of the most obvious ones is probably that many people still perceive legal profession. And when I say many people, I include a lot of people within the legal profession as a profession that is based on human interaction, on human relationships, on trust, on interacting simply be between human beings. And it is very difficult. Uh, it is very challenging. And in some aspects at this point in time, it's maybe even impossible to replace this human interaction with technology. But you are a person who is, uh, in a way, in the belly of the beast, you are in the Silicon Valley. So you see the kind of the best and the brightest of both uh, worlds. And how do you see this contrast? And how do you, how would you characterize the level of legal innovation uh, globally compared to the overall technological innovations? Okay, so that is a really interesting question. I never really thought about it that way, but it's interesting because so many of the discussions that I have um, can really go in one of two directions, right? So, so first of all, um, you know, at Next Law Labs, one of our kind of guiding principles is, is that we feel that person plus machine is better than either one on its own. So um, there is a lot of work that frankly isn't very fun to do as a lawyer. Um, and and constitutes you know a large portion of, of what we call legal practice or practice of law, um, and and those things can be done better in many in many cases in some cases by automating or partially automating them or thinking of a, a new process. Um, but at the same time, I have conversations all the time about how actually lawyers need to be more human. Um, and, and, and I, and I, a light bulb just went off when I was, when you were, when you were speaking just now, because, you know, I feel that, um, you know, lawyers feel that, I mean, I'm making a very large generalization here, but, you know, the law, why is the legal space so challenging to innovate? It's built for lawyers. It's not built for clients and consumers. You know, the legal system as it currently is, exists today is, is essentially built for lawyers to run as a business. Many of many lawyers, by the way, don't know how to run a business, but they do know how to practice law. But it's based on their perspective and it's not user or client centric. So, you know, there's a lot of um, kind of feeling out there that a lawyer's work product is always bespoke. Right. Um, at the same time. They, they don't take the opportunity to become, you know, when I say kind of humanize even more, kind of take the, to use their empathy and, and get on the other side of the table and understand, you know, what the perspective is from the person who is consuming or working with you in, in, a, in a moment of need, right? So, I, you know, I also think that there's kind of two different ways to look at it. I mean, so obviously the legal profession is feeling a, a really broad urgency to modernize, which means, you know, bring it up, in my opinion, this is my personal definition, bring it up to modern standards, right? Leveraging these current tools and processes to benefit all parts of the an industry ecosystem. The law hasn't benefited from that, um, from these advances in, you know, a way that most other, many other industries have. So I look at legal industry modernization as kind of leveraging the, other, the lessons that others have learned about operating in a global economy, all those constraints and benefits you know, of the world that we live in today, especially now, 
um, you know, and clients are in many cases more advanced in this regard, and they're pushing their firms to eliminate kind of outdated modes of work and adapt standards of, you know, flexibility, transparency, efficiency that, that they're already using themselves. Um, you know, on the other hand, innovation is really more about constantly trying new things and consciously avoiding these preconceived notions or biases and thinking really expansively or creatively about ways to solve problems. And it's much more difficult and it's messier, really, you know, uh, but it's entirely necessary to focus on applying these new methods to existing workflows. And so, and I think that it's both kind of leveraging the technology and increasing the humanity in the delivery at the same time. I'm probably going to write an article about that. So thank you. <laughs> yes. And, and, and I really like the way that you turn the discussion into the kind of the, the fundamentals of legal industry, because I, I really much, uh, I, you know, I share your views on, on this point. And I think on the one hand, uh, that there is no real trade-off between modernization and humanization. It is uh, a, a path where it has to take one hand in hand and, and go together towards, as you said, uh, creating a specific delivery, creating products for the client's benefit. So that is, uh, that, that is exactly one of the points. And the other one, which I think is very specific to the legal industry is uh, the fact that it is so dispersed. And on this point, I think we can make um, uh, you know a really good comparison with how Dentons as a law firm operates globally uh, compared to many, many other firms. So um, you know, I think it's it's a fair characterization to say that you need to scale up, uh, you need essentially a very large platform in order to scale uh, any solution for it to be globally adopted and really useful, useful to the clients. And this is probably an area where the big four, the investment banks and similar service providers have uh, right now an advantage compared to, uh, to the law firms. And how is it from your perspective, how different is it uh, from the perspective of Dentons in terms of the ability to have this sort of a global uh, business model and, and a very large global platform to work with uh, and, and have it as a platform that allows for scaling up and leveraging the solutions in, in legal innovation, legal tech. Yeah, well, you know, for one thing, um, it's been incredibly helpful and, and inspiring to see um, these pockets of legal tech and innovation pop up all over the world, which is something that we would, you know, have a very hard time having a handle on if we weren't, um, you know, such a such a, uh, a global firm with um, now I think we, we may have 190 offices. Um, and we have this perspective, uh, you know, we, and, and Nexla Labs has a global mandate. And so, uh, and we're, by the way, only, you know, only a portion of, of kind of the global innovation mandate. So, um, you know, we have the opportunity to work with people all over the world um, and hear from them what's happening, which there's literally no way that we would know what's happening on the ground in terms of legal tech, for example, in Southeast Asia or Singapore or um, uh, Africa. Uh, Russia. I mean, there are places where, you know, a lot of it is booming and we simply just wouldn't have the connections to really <laughs> even kind of keep track of it. Um, but there's 
really interesting kind of groups of, 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 of the community doing things like that. Secondly, of course, because we are part of, uh, we have an, an investment arm, uh, Next Law Ventures, and we work with uh, portfolio, our portfolio companies and companies that we haven't invested in, by the way, but are partnering with them in, in some um, type of way to collaborate on um, bringing innovation to a, a, a need that we've identified somewhere within Denton's or its clients. Um, and so for them, uh, for the legal tech startups that we're working with, of course, it's um, a benefit if they are interested in expanding into a different sector or um, they're offering, uh, developing their offering for a different um, region. I mean, we can connect them with the right people um, to, to have those discussions and determine if that's a, a good business decision. Um, you know, those kinds of things are great. Um, and, and concrete uh, part of the kind of the next law labs and the Denton's model. But, you know, you know, most importantly, to be honest with you, um, I, I really feel that I, I have the good fortune to work with colleagues from around the globe um, on projects, on, you know, interesting group conversations. Um, and I have a great job. I'm really lucky to have it uh, because I find it fascinating. And I, you know, because I work with colleagues from all different areas, um, I know that, that understanding and collaborating with diverse points of view is not optional. It's necessary. You know, I mean, there are already countless examples of the pitfalls of technology that are built by a homogenous group, and they are not successful in the end of the day uh, or ethical in many situations. Um, you know, building a team of people that's very different from yourself and it, appreciating their way of solving problems is is vital and it's an underestimated but i think maybe getting getting a little bit more uh um recognized as a as a critical component of success yeah i i fully agree and, and i definitely want to pick up this topic of diversity and uh, kind of this growth mindset when it comes to the uh, the opportunities to have all of these synergies working uh, towards uh, the the solution that is ultimately to the client's benefit. So everything that that we do needs to be absolutely focused on on clients rather than than us as a, as a profession. Everything needs to be uh, outward uh, looking. And just before we move on to that, and I, I fully agree, this is a very you know interesting topic. Maybe we could spend some time, I think some of our listeners who are maybe exploring ways in which they could build a, a, you know, a company, a startup that is in this um, area, in this industry. Uh, you know, some of them are thinking to themselves, uh, well, why is law so complex? Why do you think it's so specific? What, what is it, what is it that, that is so special about you? And some of them think, wow, nothing in this industry is going to succeed ever. So maybe just to give some clarity to both and to kind of give them the, the idea to understand how, how difficult it sometimes is to create solutions uh, that are truly scalable. And I think one of the key uh, examples to be used here is, is probably the U.S., where you have, uh, you know, 50 jurisdictions plus federal jurisdictions. You have uh, so many different um, case law levels, so many different uh, hierarchies when it comes to how you interpret law, how the laws are uh, adopted, how they are implemented, uh, how they are ultimately judged and 
you know, when you multiply that with, uh, uh, you know, with 200 countries that, that there currently are in the world, you know, it becomes much more clear how difficult it can be to apply all of these solutions. And then there is this uh, ultimate layer where uh, there is a saying that, you know, with two lawyers, you have three opinions. Uh, on, on the same same subject. I have three lawyers in my family, so oh, yes, I, I agree with that. Four there, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and but at the same time, there are things that are very much the same. There are you know uh, global regulations. There are global ways of doing things. Uh, many major transactions are governed by uh, the laws of uh, England and Wales when it comes to Europe or uh, New York. And, and so there are very, very many similarities, uh, you know, as many similarities probably as there are differences. Um, when you think about early stages, uh, early stage uh, startups, and when you think about the partners, but also when you think about potential targets for investment, how do you uh, think about the kind of the regional footprint that they have a, um, ambitions for on the one hand and the subject matter that they want to uh, work with? And I'm maybe just to add a little bit of uh, color here, you know, with technologists, there is always and this is something when that, that you've probably felt so many times in your career but with technologists they often have this desire to use the latest technology that they have and somehow you know uh, they created the solution and they want to find a problem to solve it uh, with uh, and they don't really work from the other way around and how do you kind of find the balance between all of these different and very contrasting points of view when it comes to uh, your kind of uh, investment selection, your partner selection, and so on. That's a that's a great uh, great point because I would say that um, lawyers are um, well the legal people in the legal industry that are concerned with these types of things and see the changes that are happening and, and understand the client pressures. Um, the new different client pressures that that not only the clients themselves are under within their own legal organizations, um, but also obviously the the kind of the council relationship. There's, um, you know, they're they in many cases they don't know where to start, right? So so they so so especially when we started um, Next Law Labs, we we had a lot of conversations um, with with attorneys and with clients, uh, Denton's attorneys and clients. Um, about, you know, they would start, for example, with, I need to innovate my legal department. Mm -hmm. Can you help me find some AI? <laughs> you know, I, and, and I mean, and I, and I feel for them mm -hmm. because, because this is something that's, that they've never had to think about before, but it's something that all of a sudden is rushing at them. And, and that's really why Nexlaw Labs was founded to be to be shaping and driving that change and be part of it rather than to sort of just sit there and, and wait for it to wash over you. So, and I feel, you know, and attorneys are, you know, they're, they're, I won't, I wouldn't, they're obviously incredibly intelligent, but they're confused by this new, this new kind of which way to take um, and which direction to go in. Um, and so I think 
they are less about finding the, the latest technology um, and more about solving the problem that they've been presented by their client urgently. Um, and sometimes there is a window of opportunity to, to kind of say, look, if you have a layer of technology that will help you do the kind of that turn the crank kind of work, um, you're not going to you're not going to lose anything, and you're going to have a better client, you know, a deeper client relationship. You're delivering them exactly what they need, better than they've had it before, and um, increase you know increase your ability to provide the clients the the legal service delivery that this generation and this moment in time is is um, asking for. With respect to kind of the the footprint. I would, uh, you know, in, in terms of kind of where the where a a solution might be relevant, or whether or not it would be a global solution and scale up and become kind of the the sales force of the legal platforms or whatever, um, the benchmark in a way, I would say that it really depends on the problem that it's trying to solve, um, because obviously, so, you know, by their nature, certain solutions will be targeting very specific practices or specific regions, specific issues that, you know, and, and then they have an, uh, kind of an understandable and almost enclosed space with, within which they can work and attempt to refine their products and refine their sales approaches and, um, and solve the problems that, they, um, that they're trying to solve, uh, even, you know, be incrementally better and better. Um, certain, I mean, I mean, regulatory is a perfect example. So one of our portfolio companies is named Librio, um, and what they do is they provide real-time regulatory updates um, on only the regulations that have been identified as critical for the particular client in the particular sector, only in the regions that they want, um, and not have to worry about kind of a lot of noise because obviously regulatory law is expanding. There's more of it all the time. Um, especially, you know, with privacy concerns and and you know global globalization implications. So when you end up with um, you know something like that, there, for example, Librio's um, go business goals um, include servicing. I mean, the the, re the reason their solution is is what it is is that it's addressing the need for multinational companies to have some platform in which that they will be able to kind of consolidate all of their risk and compliance obligations in one place. So, you know, I mean, when you're, and, and, you know, and, and lastly for, for companies, you know, for legal tech startups that are trying to kind of scale in, and move into different regions. I mean, I, I would recommend trying to nail the, the region that you're in right now um, first and get that right. And then have the discussions about um, kind of where the concentric circles um, could move outward from there. There are many similarities. I mean, many of our companies that we work with and that we're seeing are, are expanding, you know, multi-regionally. I mean, it's kind of that point in the disruptive cycle of legal tech, um, the legal tech industry. And I think it's ending in, and I think that that's a good thing because clients are asking more and more uh, and, uh, you know, in, in the space where Dentons operates, which is you know a business law firm and on the global scale, um, they're asking for kind of one central point to help them deal with com companies and issues, you know, issues across all of their regions. And so Dentons is, is nicely positioned to do that. And, you know, we, we look for those 
um, solutions that can solve those problems. Right, and uh, maybe this is this is a good time because we we mentioned uh, quite a few times how important it is to uh, view the legal industry as a, as a business industry, the the legal profession as a business uh, uh, in in itself, and um, how do you perceive the current state of affairs when it comes to lawyers, their business acumen, their ability to perceive the wide picture, their ability to have meaningful conversation with the IT folk on, on, on these topics? How, how much interpretation is it necessary in between, uh, in between the two? Well, you know, I mean, I see a lot of people um, who are very interested in this, you know, particularly um, lawyers that are just beginning their journey in the legal profession. Um, I, I see a lot of, of, um, of interest and in, 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 in all, even like hybrid roles and not practicing law all the time and kind of having a, a role that would enable them to work um, side by side on projects by, while not necessarily providing the legal advice, but kind of being being part of a multidisciplinary group that's solving a problem, an interesting problem. Um, I think, I mean, with respect to the business of law, I mean, there are a few law schools that I know of um, that are starting to have business of law classes. And I really, <laughs> I really think that's a good thing. Um, you know, I mean, you know, lawyers need, I mean, and it's interesting, I just read an article about this not a couple of days ago, that law is one of the few professions, and this and this may be more um, U.S. centric, uh, and uh, since we don't have kind of an apprenticeship system as part of accreditation, but um, but beyond that, um, law is uh, it's it's not very common for lawyers to be um, given like leadership training before they're in positions of leadership within their firms. They're just really good lawyers, but they don't have the other skills that they need in order to like create and motivate and run a team. Um, not to mention, um, you know, so, so and all of those are opportunities. You know, I really feel that that's not, I mean, it's not, it's not a dismal situation by any means. It's just, you know, there are ways that you can always be getting better at your craft, you know, and I think lawyers need some foundational literacies these days and moving forward, like a basic understanding of data and what, what data analytics and, and the data that they're sitting on can, can do for them um, and for their clients. Um, you know, basics about money management, um, you know, design thinking, really kind of user-centric thinking um, and project management. I really, I, I, and I think, you know, beyond that, I think, and these are things you can learn, right? Developing competency in being more flexible and collaborative um, and creative and in order to really truly affect that change, lawyers that have, and, and we're seeing this a lot right now, lawyers with quality, uh, qual you know, characteristics of, you know, resilience and curiosity and comfort with ambiguity, and really this bias to action and trying things are really going, the ones that are going to have the most impact and probably enjoy their legal careers the most. <laughs> yeah, right. Um one of the interesting things is, um, well, I, I have sort of a theory that lawyers are pretty much uh, similarly or, or, you know, if not identically trained as software developers, because 
on the one hand, you know, you have the law, you have uh, the client's input where they ask you, can I do this, you know, to make it as simple as possible. And you need to process that question, the, uh, you know, the inputs, you need to process it through the filter of your understanding of the law, you know, and what is written in the text. Uh, so kind of interpret it. And then you need to present the answer that is, you know, in the simplified version, yes or, or no. So in many ways, you know, uh, the, the necessity for this kind of algorithmic thinking uh, should be, I think, in many ways, a part of the legal profession. And my, you know, my my personal story is, I, you know, I went to the law school not knowing if I would end up in, uh, you know, in in this uh, ETF. It's called the Electric Engineering uh, School in 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 Serbia or, or law school. And I opted for for the law school, literally, you know, before uh, you know b- before I went to submit my papers. And in, in many aspects, I see this uh, not as being two contrasting things, but rather as being very similar. And when you look at what you've just said and, and uh, you know, explain about how in many ways the legal profession could benefit from understanding more about the business of law, managing finances, uh, design thinking and and you know things like that. I think in in many ways you see very similar problems with the IT startups where you have brilliant engineers who are uh, you know incredible problem solvers in their narrow field uh, can use technology in ways that uh, you know I can only dream of. But at the same time, you know the skills that they need to build their company, to take it to the next level, to attract investments, to understand what the client needs, to uh, figure out the, uh, the UX, to figure out the, you know, the first customer, the second customer, the third customer, and so on and so on, and to kind of build that uh, into a really scalable platform. I think it is very much uh, the same skills that both, uh, both professions need. So... Uh, you know, th- this is a, 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 at least my view, and I would like to hear your your views on that. But b- before we, uh, you know, b- before you maybe uh, take, uh, uh, you know, explain your views on this, maybe I can just ask, uh, do you see any similarities between the approach that the Next Law Labs takes with its, its IT cohorts? And the way that maybe Denton's work with its lawyers in building up their business skills, and you know, do you see the synergies and the kind of the the efficiencies in in uh, delivering on both of those areas uh, concurrently? You know, that, that's a that's a really interesting question. I don't have a lot of visibility into the professional development programming that they have at Denton's, and and it definitely is also. Um, regionally specific, um, as it should be. Um, Denton's is a Verizon system, so we don't have any, um, you know, global or central headquarters. Um, each of the regions operates um, autonomously to a certain extent, but with an overlay, of course, um, of kind of the global perspective, which is, I think, um, one of the one of its biggest strengths. Um, I would say that, you know, I I have never seen or heard anybody at Denton's ask why do I need to innovate? <laughs> um, I think that, um, you know, the innovation imperative is very strong and there's a lot of support for it. You know what I, I mean? In, 
you know, down to very concrete things that really address certain roadblocks. Like there are several regions in Denton's that offer innovation hour um, as sort of like a pro bono hour. So credit towards billable um, hour requirements um, to spend time on innovative uh, innovation projects or ex exploring a technology or talking um, with a client about a potential collaboration, you know, things that wouldn't be billable otherwise. Um, and encouraging um, ways to kind of approach client relationships and approach their own um, issues and problems um, and challenges it, from from multiple different perspectives. I, I see and I see countless examples of that. And it's 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 wonderful to to to, to work with folks like that. <laughs> um, going back to the the skills that the lawyers uh, need in order to advance in the legal field, but not in terms of being the incredible legal technicians, uh, but rather uh, lawyers with uh, with a business acumen. Um, in many ways, it requires development of this business analyst skills, so analytic skills in terms of understanding uh, the problem, thinking in many ways algorithmically in terms of the solution. But you know, a good lawyer also needs to be a good leader in terms of uh, the ability to motivate their team in order to be, uh, you know, a good mentor to the younger lawyers, a good role model to them. Uh, and at the same time, they need to be a very good, um, let's call it a client entertainer or being able to develop and grow a business from the relationship uh he or she has built with uh, with their clients. So um, what do you think is the way in terms of, you know, how, how would you approach sort of a formal education reform and formal education uh, uh, improvements in order to introduce these, uh, these topics into, you know, what lawyers need to learn from university before they move on to uh, to working in law firms and elsewhere. Uh, I, I love that topic actually, and I work with a lot of law schools um, in 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 many countries um, that are trying to address this, and they're they're doing it in different ways. Sometimes it's it's um, inspiring, and sometimes it's frustrating because if you think that um, lawyers uh, that the law firms and legal organizations are slow to change, um, academia is is the same. It might, yeah. <laughs> so um, if not even more sort of entrenched in, in tradition in, in many ways. So, you know, the 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 things that I'm seeing um, that that I think are incredibly important to to set people up um, as they come out of their you know legal education and begin practicing law is um, a focus on uh, I mean obviously the the kind of the elements of a business and that and those can be anything from you know if you are planning to be a solo practitioner to if you're planning to be you know a, a, you're planning and hoping to be a, you know a, a rainmaker, a senior partner at a, at a huge firm. I mean, you're going to need to understand kind of the basics of how how businesses run. Um, and I think um, law firms are um, traditionally almost feel like that's not something they should be doing, but yet they find themselves in this situation and 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 addressing it and and having people who just understand the basics. I think um, and and not just the lawyers. I mean, everybody. 
you know, all the, all the way from the top, all the way down. Um, I think there's also, you know, these, you know, basic understanding of technology, um, basic understanding of, you know, the entrepreneurial or the, the growth mindset. You do need to be able to motivate a team. Um, and that goes for, you know, I, I have discussions with folks that are just starting out on their legal tech startup journeys, and I'm telling them the same thing. Um, you need to be able to inspire and motivate a team and bring together people who are different from you to um, to create the best solution and to be continually questioning um, kind of how, how things can be different and not get stuck in kind of the static um, mindset. Um, you know, I mean, I think um, people need to be thinking about this in planning their careers. Um, and and I uh, conversely, I think that uh, I also think that people who are hiring for 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 uh, for roles need to be looking for people who are interested in this and who are eager to be trained, even if they haven't had the chance to be to do so, and give them the opportunities to skill up on those places. You know, I mean, the other thing is lawyers are you know traditionally they're low they're lower in some kind of these entrepreneurial skills than the general population but they're higher and stronger in other areas um and it's and as an individual it's easier to distinguish yourself by having these skills since they are more rare kind of in the in the legal industry as it is for now and the, you know as a whole and it and bringing you know a much needed skill set and different perspectives to the table there there needs to be more diversity of traits and competencies in the legal industry and so, uh, you know, I, I try to be very encouraging with folks that are that are trying to, to get better at these things, because not only are they learnable, but um, but you can really set yourself apart very, very quickly um, and set yourself up for success in whatever you choose to do with your legal duty, which, by the way, might not even be practicing law. <laughs> right. 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 Um, I I also wanted to touch upon a topic that is not maybe the, the, the key subject here, but as we speak about the ability of lawyers to get trained, to get mentored, uh, to get this sort of um, 360, if you will, uh, education, uh, you know, how difficult is it right now and how difficult do you expect it to be uh, with uh, you know, for as long as we have this lockdown measures and and you know the the cold the, the whole COVID situation, and do you, do you think that maybe it creates some sort of an opportunity for uh, kind of delivering ways or creating ways in which this mentorship can be delivered, uh, you know, online, or do you are you not very hopeful that that it is it that that it's, this is actually possible? You know, specifically with this moment, with the lockdown and everybody going remote and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I actually, um, I think that it is a, a particularly, um, I mean, I, I try, you know, I'm an optimist. Um, I really do feel that, um, I mean, honestly, I think the worst thing that could happen would be everybody going back to the traditional practice of law after the pandemic has forced the industry forward in so many ways. I think it's becoming very clear which firms are focusing on coming out of the situation better than they were before and which are kind of thinking this is a temporary shift. You know, some firms or, or you know, legal departments are shelving or abandoning innovation um, and others are kind of leaning into them with this, you know, very strong focus on the midterm and longer future. I think it's, 
really, um, be, you know, I also have a behavioral science background and I, and, 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 you know, and, and I use it every day. Um, change management, change is hard, you know, and especially for lawyers, there is a mindset, you know, there's just this, this feeling almost in the back of your mind at all times that you've got to get the answer right the first time. And you are looked upon as an expert and, and people depend on that. Um, and, and your livelihood depends on being an expert and therefore, you know, risk aversion is high and people being, you know, worried about doing the wrong thing is, is very, is very high or not getting something right the first time. But right now, you know, everybody was thrown into, um, the pandemic, um, you know, shelter in place virtually simultaneously and lawyers the world over you know, we're forced to deal with things like DocuSign and things like Zoom and, you know, things that other industries think are sort of basic, but that they they had the option not to think about before. And simultaneously, they were not expected to know how to do it perfectly right away. And so I think there's just maybe a little bit of a crack in this wall now where, and I'm hoping that it, it sticks, at least for some people, that um, they'll be more comfortable with trying new things and and a little bit of space for people to try and fail without this this fear of I'm not going to be an expert on how to do the Zoom breakout room the first time I log into Zoom, you know, or I mean, and you can extrapolate that to ever more you know complex versions of technology, um, but but the fact is is that not only I'm hoping that people will kind of shift. And I'm see I'm definitely seeing examples of that. People are kind of looking, got their heads up, and are looking around. There's got to be a different, a better way to do things. And I'd like to try some things out. I also hope that even for those that don't do the experimentation of themselves, that they uh, value the fact that others are doing it. Uh, perhaps in their firms, or you know, just other thinkers that are they're spending time thinking about this and valuing the fact that that we need to try to do things differently and continuous improvement is, is, is a good thing. And I just feel that maybe there's a little bit of a comfort now, a little bit of a cushion where, where, where lawyers can feel comfortable, not, not being right, not, not having to be right at the, at the very outset. Um, I have one, one final question and it, and it's also related to, uh, to lawyers. You mentioned, I think at, at one point in this conversation, and I recall you mentioning this in, in preparation for this, that uh, you have special uh, regimes in a way that encourages young lawyers within your network to collaborate with the uh, IT folk uh, in delivering the, the new solutions, the new uh, methods, uh, the new startups, and so on, and, and that they in a way, get credited for the innovation work that they uh, do. And I think this is an idea that, that I can only uh, applaud. Uh, but the, the question that I have, do you think, or, or of course, if you don't have visibility, that's, that's understandable, but do you see a sort of a, a kind of different treatment of uh, ones compared to the others? Do you see that... Uh, maybe some of them will feel that they might be lagging behind over a long run in terms of their uh, partnership track or other sort of promotion uh, promotion opportunities. 
You know, I think um, I, I think one of the one of the key constraints um, to to modernizing and innovating the legal profession, frankly, is and this is not this is not anything new for for I'm sure, but you know the <clears throat> the billable hour. You know, I mean, it it will continue to constrain industry development. I think also there's a really interesting and and this again is not true in every country, but um, you know, the fact that you have um, uh, kind of a cash in, cash out model every year for law firms. You know, they're not um, used to uh, the idea of, uh, you know, an R&D budget, something that might take three to five years, which is why, by the way, when Next Law Labs was founded, people thought of, they were insane. This is the first time anybody had really ever put multi-year funding towards something that um, that that would bear fruit and was kind of on the forefront of where things were going, right? But lawyers and and law firms, you know, often aren't structured that way. They're structured in a way where they just think about doing the work, collecting on it, and cashing it out at the end of every year. Um, and so that's a big constraint as well. And I will say that I have seen a lot of movement in that area. I mean, there's also Obviously, um, you know, the burgeoning alternative legal service providers, which really aren't so alternative anymore, um, who are really doing um, things in a different way. And clients are flocking to them for, for good reason, because they need more flexibility and they need kind of, you know, the, the perspective that those folks are offering. Um, I think um, I encourage, you know, on the other end of it, I, you know, from, from the perspective of the, the people working, doing the work, the lawyers, and you know, folks in, in law school still, I encourage them to, to find places where they feel that they will be supported in continuing to develop their skills beyond um, just you know, strictly practice, you know, traditionally um, described practice of law and kind of these more broader areas. And there are, you know, firms are doing it more and more. I mean, the fact is that um, since Next Law Labs was launched, we have, uh, I, I try to keep track. Um, and I think we have, you know, close to 30 um, law firms and legal tech, you know, incubators and um, either think tanks or, um, you know, either in law schools or within firms um, that are, focusing on these kinds of efforts. And our view really is that a rising tide lifts all boats. We need more people to be thinking about this and mainstreaming it. So that's the only way we're really good. Let's do this. You know, we got to do it globally. Well, thank you. I think this is a, a great message for the, uh, for the end of the conversation. I think the key takeaway for, for me is that we essentially need to rethink the profession in many ways. I think there are some... Uh, sort of legacy um, uh, kind of legacy habits within the profession. There are many uh, ways uh, in which we are used to doing the work that we're doing. There are uh, opportunities, on the other hand, for growth, for learning, for establishing yourself in this uh, kind of sea of uh, brilliant practitioners to become a brilliant practitioner plus someone who can be a true leader in their profession in uh, you know by way of distinguishing themselves by understanding the technology behind it by understanding the client's needs better by you know applying 
design thinking and and so on and i think this is a brilliant message to end this conversation thank you so much for for taking the time and uh hopefully everything works fine with uh with the wildfires i understand they're currently ongoing so uh, you know the best of luck uh, with that and and definitely best of luck with all of the uh adventures of next law labs thank you so much it was a real pleasure and i always have such great conversations with you i appreciate the opportunity thank you <laughs> thank you much